0: I'm to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of First Kings, the Old Testament book of First Kings, and chapter number one, the book of First Kings in chapter number one. <coughs> now we're going into the life and ministry of Solomon, and what's going to happen in the next several. Uh, messages is we're going to do character studies of some of the people that are very influential, that are very important, that have been brought up that Solomon has to take care of. And we'll do character studies of each of these people so we can know a little bit of background of why Solomon does what he does with each of these people as he begins his earthly ministry. Now, if you don't mind, we're going to start off by looking at the beginning of seeing how Solomon now takes the throne. We've explored about David and how God had promised that Solomon would take the throne, that da- that Solomon would rebuild the temple. Now we saw a little bit how David is um, uh, was pulling Solomon aside, had tried to train him, tried to invest in him. Now we come to the end of David's reign, right before Solomon begins to reign himself, and we could see that something has happened, and we could see a lot of people responding by force and not by faith. Notice with me as we look in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 1. Now David was old and stricken in years, but they covered him with clothes, but he get no heat. Wherefore his servants said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel through all the coast of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. Then Adonijah, the son of Hegeath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? And he was a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zerah, and Abathar, the priest, and they following Adonijah helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Bedaniah, the son of Jehodiah, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei and Rei and the mighty men which belonged to David, were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen, in fact, cattle by the sown of stone of Zeleth, which is by in Rogal, and called all his brethren, the king's sons, and the men of Judah, the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. Wherefore Nathan spake unto Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Hast thou not heard of Adonijah, the son of Haggith, doth reign? And Solomon our Lord knoweth it not. Now therefore come, let me, I pray thee, give thee counsel that thou mayest save thine own life and the life of thy son Solomon. Go and get thee. In unto the king David, and say unto him, Dost thou not, thou my lord, O king, swear unto thy handmaid? And said, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he that sitteth upon thy throne. Why then doth Adonijah reign? Behold, while, the king, while thou yet talkest there with the king, I will also come in after thee and confirm thy words. And Bathsheba went in unto the king into the chamber, and the king was very old. And Abishag the Shunammite ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did obeisance, obeisance unto the king, and the king said, What willest thou, or wouldest thou? And she said unto him, My lord, thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thy handmaid, and said, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon thy throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigneth. And now, my lord, the king, thou knowest it not. And he that slay oxen, and fat cattle, and sheep in abundance, and hath called all the sons of the king, and Abathar the priest, and Joab the captain of the host. But Solomon thy servant, he hath not called. And thou, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are upon thee. What shouldest tell them of who shall sit on the throne of my lord, the king after him?" Otherwise, it shall come to pass, when the Lord the king shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders. And lo, while she yet talketh with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. And they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. (laughs) Uh, And when he was come in before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, hast thou not said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon thy throne? For he has gone down this day, and hath slain oxen, and fat cattle, and sheep in abundance, and hath called all the king's sons, and the captain of the host, and Abathar the priest. And behold, they shall eat and drink before him, saying, God save king Adonijah, but me Even me, thy servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehodiah, and thy servant Solomon, hath he not called. Is this thing done by my lord the king? And thou hast not showed it unto thy servant, who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Then king David answered and said, Call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king sware and saith, As the lord liveth, and hath redeemed my soul out of all distress, even as I swore unto thee by the lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon My throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and did reverence to the king and said, Let my lord, King David, live forever. And king David said, Call me Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehodiah. And they came before the king. And the king said unto them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel and blow ye with the trumpet and say, God save King Solomon. Then shall ye come up after him that he may sit, <laughs> come and sit upon my throne and he shall be king in my stead. And I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Beniah the son of Jehodiah answered the king and said, "Amen. The Lord God of my of my lord the king say so too. And as the Lord hath been with my lord the king, even so be with he with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord King David. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, Beniah the son of Jehodiah and the Cherethites." And the Pelethites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. And Zedek the priest took the horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet and all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth rent with the sound of them. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it, as they made an end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being an uproar? And while he yet spake, behold, Jonathan the son of Abathar the priest came in, and said, Adonijah said unto him... "'Come in, for thou art valiant man, and bring us good tidings.' And Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, "'Verily, our Lord King David had made Solomon king.' And the king had sent with him Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet." And Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, and the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride upon the king's mule. And Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, have anointed him king in Gihon. And they have come up with from thence rejoicing, so that the the, uh, city rang again and this is the noise that ye have heard and also Solomon sitteth on the throne of the kingdom and moreover the king's servants came to bless our lord king David saying God make the name of Solomon greater than thy name and make his throne greater than thy throne and the king bowed himself upon the bed and also thus saith the king blessed be the lord god of Israel which hath given one to sit on my throne this day mine eyes even seeing it and all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told to Solomon, saying, Adonijah feareth King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. Then Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man. There shall not a hair of him fall to earth. But if wickedness be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine own house. And if you are in the habit of marking things in your Bible... Would you mark the name that is found throughout here? But let's look in verse number 51 so we can tie something together easier. Verse number 51, the name Adonijah. Adonijah, and we want to do a character study of Adonijah. Notice with me in verse 52 what we want to describe him. If he will show himself a worthy man. Adonijah, if he will show himself a worthy man man. And with the Lord's help, we're going to do a character study based off of this passage here of Adonijah and kind of see what happens to him, the end result of him. Adonijah, if thou find thyself a worthy man. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, I'm asking that you would give us grace and that you would give us mercy. That you would open up this passage in a special way that we could see this historical event. But we could also learn the underlining principle that we find in this passage. There's a lot of political drama, a lot of kingly drama. And whereas it's an interesting passage to read for historical sake, for narrative sake, I'm asking that we would walk away with the important lesson that we see here. I'm asking that you would just help us with this character study. Open up the Bible in a special way that we could see it in our own mind's eye and 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 that you would get the glory and honor for it. Knowing that you are a trustworthy God. Lord I'm very conscious of my physical need of you right now. That I have no ability of myself. I don't trust it. So the best I know how I give it to you. My voice. My (coughs) sinuses. My throat. My cough. Lord my physical ability. I just give to you now. For the purpose that I'd be the instrument that you desire to use. And that I wouldn't be a hindrance But instead, that you would just use me as your instrument to get your work accomplished even now. Thank you that we could trust you both physically and spiritually in all things in our life. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very interesting important drama that unfolds here. If for just entertainment's sake, just watching this as a TV movie is just a thing in your mind's eye. Just to see the political drama, to see the passing of things. And of course, this is commonplace for kings, especially in the ancient world, going to the Middle Ages, all the way up today. There's political drama whenever there's a succession of leaders. There's a lot of things that come to pass. You have people's feelings that now get hurt. You have things that get involved. But as believers, we should be living our lives a little bit differently. Now, most of you would recognize a toy such as this, that we teach people to use it when they're little kids. And that you can learn quite a bit from here, that we could have all the different shapes And did you know that you could take something that's circle and that you could put it inside of a square hole? Now, it doesn't fit as easy, but you can make it happen. You could force and manipulate, pound it and work. And this is how most people live their lives. As Christians, we live our life one of two ways. We either live our life by force Or we live our life by faith. You live your life manipulating, forcing, conniving, working, scheming, planning, uh, powering, trying to make things happen in your life. Or we can trust God and let God get his own work accomplished. When that happens, God gets the glory. When we finally manipulate things, we could try to get glory of ourselves that we made it to happen, but we have a lot of stress, a lot of (laughs) problems, a lot of things that go along with it, that living the faith life is the best life because we can trust the Lord. But in this account, we don't have anyone who's living by faith. Every person in here, whether you consider them a good person or a bad person, a good guy, a bad guy, antagonist, protagonist, Everybody is living by force in this passage. And so if you don't mind, let's see this historical event. As we put our attention on Adonijah specifically, let's go ahead and learn what we can from this passage. The first thing we want to do is introduce to you Abishag, David's nurse. Now, she's going to be an important character coming up in this uh, message. But notice, if you don't mind, we're introduced to a young lady by the name of Abishag. She's going to be David's nurse. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 1. Now, King David was old and stricken in... In years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. Now, this is a normal position that when older people or people get older their body doesn't produce enough heat. Most of us have been to an old person's house and it's roasting like 90 degrees. That it is just cooking in there. When I make hospital visits, it's always amazing. I step into the room, it's like a sauna in there. Why is it? Because their body is not producing heat. They're cold easier. And they have to do something. Now, may I remind you that they don't have nice furnaces like we do? That they don't have electric blankets? That... For natural use, you have to get some way to get body heat. And you could cover someone full of blankets where they can't breathe. Or you could come up with another inventive solution. Notice with me verse 2. So wherefore, so because David was old and could not get heat himself, wherefore his servants came to him, let there be sought my lord the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that the lord may get heat." And so they sought for a fair damsel in all the coast of Israel and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her into the king. And the damsel was very fair and cherished the king and ministered to him, but the king knew her not. And so what happened is that they did almost like an Esther thing where they searched the land and did a contest, beauty contest. They searched for someone who would be able to nurse him. So if you can imagine they're doing a job application. Do you have any nursing abilities? Your job is to take care of him 24-7. Your job is to minister, to serve him, to take care of him. And that (laughs) with an idea of practicality, not a sexual thing. The Bible is very clear of saying that he knew or not. But still the idea is that she would cuddle next to him. And she would produce the heat for him to kind of save on the blankets and kind of uh, take care of him. Now... (laughs) She had to be pretty. We've, they've done studies before with the idea of emergency ambulance drivers, and uh, especially in the military, that if you had an ugly nurse, forgive the term, that <laughs> the survival rate was higher for the same injuries if they had a pretty nurse. Just something about mankind that if she's pretty, they get the will to live. And so they get a pretty thing. I yeah, I understand you can do whatever you want with it, but that's just how it is. They found someone who was pretty. They found someone who was young. They found someone who was willing to devote her life while David was alive to take care of him, to clean up his messes, to clean him up. That when he wanted to get warm, to kind of cuddle with him, to allow him to have his own blanket. Uh, <laughs> that was just how they did it in the ancient world. Right, wrong, or indifferent. But Abishag was the lady. She was the one who was tasked, who was given the privilege, the responsibility of taking care of David. And so what we see is David here, who is not mighty David of old. That old age is something none of us can fight. Old age is going to come for us eventually. And with the old age, we're going to have the different infirmities that come with old age. Whether it's hearing loss, whether it's memory loss, or just getting to the place where we're cold and feeble and can't get heat ourselves. David's at this position. He does not have long for this earth. And now's the time to start thinking about who is going to succeed. Who is going to take over the kingdom after David, which brings us to the next thing Adonijah's coronation. Adonijah's coronation. Adonijah is next in line through <laughs> for the throne with a standard progression. Adonijah at this time has been silent in the pages of scripture, he wasn't mentioned at all during Absalom's rebellion, he wasn't mentioned at all during Amnon's issues. Adonijah has been silent, but he is next in line. He is now the oldest living son. Absalom is dead. Amnon is dead. They had another brother who died when he was a young child. And so next up? Adonijah. And so Adonijah's been calculating. David made a mistake, one of many. He did not clearly set up the progression. Now he told Solomon and he told Bathsheba and it was kind of like a common knowledge thing, but nothing was ever clearly settled. Nothing was clearly done. It was the idea that many people sometimes have is that we have something in mind and we have something implied, but we never clearly state it. With the idea that, nah, maybe they'll get it. People don't get it. And if it's not clearly stated, there are some people who will take advantage of it. Adonijah is one of them. Adonijah's watching his father die. And he says, listen, dad's not dead yet, so I'm gonna go ahead and be king. And if David doesn't say anything while he's still alive, I get the stamp of approval. I'm next in line. I have supporters. I have people who support me that are part of David's cabinet. This is the time to do it. Notice with me in verse number 5. Then Adonijah the son of Hagiath, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen, fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him at any time, saying, Why hast thou done so? And he was also a very goodly man. And his mother bare him after Absalom. We learn some things about Adonijah here, that Adonijah takes the throne. Maybe he's already talking to David a little bit. David, dad, I've been thinking about I'd make a good king. You think I'd make a good king one day? Dad, sure, I think you will. (laughs) Adonijah's like, all right, cool. Dad, Dad hasn't disagreed. He didn't say no. So maybe he would talk to him a little bit. He's doing the manipulation thing. He's not asking outright. But dad, do you think that I could lead people? Yeah, I think you can, son. You'll be a good leader. All right, yeah. And at no time, David said, listen, listen, you're crossing the line. I've already said Solomon's going to be in charge. No, Adonijah's probably dropped hints, probably talked to David. Maybe he's never outright said, hey, am I going to be king afterwards? Because he didn't want that answer. But nothing he's done has displeased David. He's never really been in trouble by dad. You had Absalom who rebelled. You had Amnon who did horrible things to his sister. Adonijah's been the good child. In fact, the Bible says that he was also a very goodly man. So he has lived his right life fairly well. He's good looking. He's good with the people. People like him. He's uh, very favorable. On top of that, he begins to gather very important people. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse seven. And he confirmed with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and Abathar, the priest. And they, following Adonijah, helped him. So notice who he gets involved to helping him out. Forgive me really quick. gets involved with Joab. Joab is one of David's most trusted people. Joab has been David's general since the very beginning. On top of that, Joab has murdered for David. This is someone who knows where all the bodies are buried. This is someone who has a lot of political pull that no one says no to Joab and lives. This is a guy to get on your side. On top of this, he gets Abathar. Abathar is currently co-high priest with Zadok. Man, he has a high priest. He's got the political power. He has got the military power. And he has also got the religious spiritual power. There's the trifecta. no. David hasn't said no. He gets these people. They're on his side. Let's take over now. We're going to talk more about these people in detail in the upcoming sermons about Zadok. Talking about um, (coughs) Joab. Joab. But for now, these are high-ranking people who have helped him. Notice who he did not invite to the party. Verse number 8. But Zadok the priest, this is the other high priest, and Benaniah the son of Jehodiah. Benaniah is going to be next in line to be the general of the armies. He's going to become Solomon's army. Uh, leader. And by the way, Benaniah is extremely loyal to Solomon. So let's not invite the general who's going to be against this. Let's not invite him. Let's not invite Zadok. Let's not invite Nathan the prophet. Let's not invite all of the mighty men that belong to David. There's a lot of important people that were not invited because they didn't want problems. They said, we'll sort this out later after Adonijah's king. Then we could fix everything. People will just kind of fall in line. Notice what they do. Verse 9. And Adonijah slew sheep. uh, By the uh, sheep and oxen and fat cattle. By the zone of Zealoth. Which is by Enrogel. And called all of his brethren. The king's sons. And the men of Judah. The king's servants. Now whereas you may not be familiar with Bible geography. This is a big deal. What happens is that. Adonijah decides to have his coronation ceremony not in the city of Jerusalem. South of Jerusalem, remember, Jerusalem is built on several hills. South of Jerusalem is is a valley. This is, excuse me, the. <coughs> This is the valley that is Gehenna, which is the trash heap. This is the trash pile, the trash dump. And it has been set on fire and has been burning for a while. Nope, it hasn't been burnt on fire yet. Sorry, forgive me. This is the trash heap. And so what Adonijah does is they go outside of the city and they have to go through the dump to go to the little place where they've set things up. To, to set him as corner That Adonijah says, I'm not going to set it up in Jerusalem because I don't want everyone to disturb me. But notice, in order to get away from the city, they have to go through the trash dump. And on the other side of the trash dump, they have their private little ceremony where they've invited just a few people. Once again, we're watching. They either live your life by force or you're living by life by faith. When you feel like you have to hide things and not do it openly... You're living your life by force. You are trying to manipulate things to happen. They didn't want to have a public ceremony until they got things settled. Then they could announce to all the rest of the city, Guess what? While you were sleeping, Adonijah became king. Which now brings us to something else. Nathan's objections. Nathan's objections. Now if you don't mind, I'm going to go into storytelling mode now. Now what happens, Nathan the prophet, you remember Nathan the prophet, he's the one who stuck his bony finger in David's face all those years ago and said, listen, thou art the man. Nathan without a doubt has been someone who has been used of God. But, in these later years, He has been writing and um, coasting. And is getting to the place where he hasn't been living by faith. But even now he's going to live by force. May we pause? Just as a speculation. There's probably a reason why Nathan was never a writing prophet. We don't have the book of Nathan. We don't have any of these things. He was used of God greatly. But there were some things that he were missing in his life. And what happens, instead of living by faith and saying, listen, we can trust God, he hatches a plan with Bathsheba. He pulls Bathsheba aside and said, listen, Adonijah is trying to become king down south right now. They trash the, put the trash heap. I've heard from my sources this is going on. We need to let David know. So what we're going to do is that you go in first. And you tell him the story. And then when you're halfway done talking, I'm going to come in as if, Oh, Bathsheba, I didn't know you were here. And go ahead and tell the tale. What he's doing here is he's trying to manipulate David. And of course he can get Bathsheba to do this because she has already been manipulating David. Sometimes Bathsheba gets a pass. But you understand that she raises Solomon to be a mama's boy. And to be controlled by women so much so that when he becomes king, guess what? He's controlled by women. He was never taught to be a man by himself. He wanted mama's approval and other ladies' approval instead of standing for himself. And Bathsheba's already been doing manipulating. So it was no problem. Remember, before Nathan was on the other side of Bathsheba. You committed adultery. You did wrong. Now he's going, Bathsheba, we need to join forces on this. So that way we can go ahead and get God's will accomplished. Sometimes that's the worst type of force. Is when we know something's God's will and we feel like we have to make it happen. We can trust God to do his work. But you say, how can we trust God? Adonijah is currently doing something. God has a plan. He knows what he's doing. We can trust him. Excuse me. <coughs> I forgot to take my mucus medicine so it's catching back up to me. Forgive me for that. It'll make a good recording later. <coughs> so, Nathan and and Bathsheba come in. Now, I want you to go into the chamber. I want you to see David. He's looking old. There's something about seeing someone who is so full of life and vigor looking so drained and old. She goes in. And remember, she's a wife of David. He cheated and gave everything for her. He murdered for her. And when she goes in, not only does she see David, but you could almost imagine he's cuddling, trying to be warm with Abishag. This young, pretty, full of life thing. Why isn't Bathsheba doing this job? Why isn't Bathsheba keeping him warm? This is a big deal. Because she's a manipulator. There's things that happen and David has now set her aside. Now she needs something young to take care of him. Maybe Bathsheba hasn't been taking care of him. She's been taking care of Bathsheba, taking care of Solomon. Whatever, we're just speculating now. All we know is that she is not doing it. And Abishag is. Abishag is the one taking care of David. Abishag's the one that is ministering to David, cleaning him up, keeping him warm. So you could just imagine Bathsheba having to bite her tongue. Can't yell at David now. I need something from him. She comes in. There's David being ministered maybe they're not cuddling maybe she's just taking care of David maybe she's sitting next to David's bedside and holding his hand Bathsheba goes in has to bite her tongue David did you tell me that Solomon was going to be in charge David right now I've heard that Adonijah he's trying to be the king David what are we going to do And as she explains this, Nathan the prophet comes in. Oh, Bathsheba, I didn't know you were going to be here. Oh, what a coincidence. David, did you hear that Adonijah is now becoming king and right now? You see, both of them are trying to manipulate David, sure, to do the right thing. But we either live our life by force or we live our life by faith. Can we trust God. They didn't have to try to manipulate things. That was clearly what was done. When you have to confer to someone, say you go in there and say this and then I'll come behind you. That is called manipulation. That is planning. They're living their life by force. May I put another thought here? Where's Solomon? He's supposed to be a king. He's letting mama take care of his business for him. He's letting Mama fight his fights for him. Mm. Mama, uh, Mama, my brothers try to take the kingship. Can you go take care of it? Don't worry, honey. I'll make sure it's taken care of. David, mm-hmm. there's some issues in this family, and so they come up with this idea. <laughs> they. Do the objections? They talk. They explain what's happened. Finally, David. You can almost see him getting enough strength to sit up in bed. Abishag puts him up, and David said, "All right, go put Solomon in charge." Nathan, I, I laugh at this passage because Bathsheba's in the room. Nathan's there. Nathan, go get Bathsheba. Bathsheba comes back up front. He's old. Bathsheba. Solomon's going to reign. Nathan, go get the rest of the boys. So they go get Ben and I and they go get Zadok and they go get everyone else. And they go take Solomon, put him up there. Now Solomon has done nothing. And by the way, I don't think he's living by faith. I think he's living by mama's force. My personal opinion... And so they take Solomon and they put him and make him in charge. They all praise him and they all glorify him. We see the uh, next thing here that Solomon is brought to the throne starting at verse 32. So call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaniah the son of Jehoiada, And they came before the king. And he says, all right, I want you to take Solomon. I want you to go put him in charge. Let's have a big deal about it. Everyone should know that Solomon's next in line. And so they do that. And the people start rejoicing. The whole cru- city is rejoicing. Because David has passed it on. By the way, David's still alive. We're going to see David actually give some public speeches here in a little bit. And a couple messages moving forward. But the whole city is now rejoicing. They have a king. We don't have to worry about a civil war. We don't have to worry about stuff. Nobody knows that Adonijah is trying a secret coup down south beyond the trash pit. But They will. We now see the next thing, Adonijah pleads for his life. So, starting at verse 41, Adonijah's having his party. His people are there, Joab. You have all these other people celebrating and rejoicing. And then, Jonathan comes in. Now, Jonathan has been a very important person back in the days. He happens to be the son of Abathar, the high priest. So, guess who also wasn't invited to dinner? Jonathan. Why? Because Jonathan is still innocent. And Jonathan just wants to do what's right. Before, during Absalom's rebellion, Jonathan was one of the people that was used to run messages between the capital city and wherever David was at. And so, Jonathan finds where everybody's at. Hey, where's my dad? Oh, he's with Adonijah. They're beyond the trash pit. Oh, great. So, Jonathan goes in, not realizing they're having a party to put... (laughs) Abathar or Adonijah in charge. Excuse me again. So Jonathan comes in and he's excited because he was just there at the king's coordination. Solomon's king. This is great. This is wonderful. So he comes in, knocks on the door. Someone says, who is it? Now notice it's such a pup. Uh, private party that they kind of do the door sliding who is it hey it's Jonathan oh let him in he's a value man he's a good guy bring him in what good tidings do you have oh it's the best Solomon's king and they're all celebrating in fact everyone's saying that Solomon's going to be a better leader than David and they're all praying to God that Solomon's going to do a better job and that he's going to expand the kingdom and that Solomon's the man isn't this great dad dad isn't this great They're having a party for Adonijah. Meanwhile, Jonathan doesn't know what's going on. He's innocent. Notice what everybody does. Verse number 49, "...and all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid. And they rose up and went every man his way. They all took off. They scattered like cockroaches. I wasn't at this party and they all take off. They're gone." They are feeling horrible because normal history succession, whenever the next king would be in charge, there was usually a purging period where they got rid of anybody who may cause them problems. So in their minds, they just said, uh oh, Solomon, if he finds out we were at this party, he's going to kill us. They all took off, they all scattered. You can imagine all the little cockroaches running. Through the trash heap trying to get back home. So they were there. Oh I was at the Solomon's coronation the whole time. Yay go Solomon. This is a very bad day for people who showed up to Adonijah's party. This is a very bad day for anyone who signed up for Adonijah. Including Adonijah. Adonijah knows he is in trouble. Notice with me verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught the horns of the altar. So what happens? Adonijah bypasses everything, goes to where the altar, the Ark of the Covenant is, grabs the altar uh, where they do the sacrifices at at Jerusalem, where they kill the... um, Bulls and bullocks, he grabs a hold of that and says, Please don't let them kill me. He's, he's, uh, you'll see a lot of people do this throughout Bible history. It carries the idea that I'm going to God's presence and I'm asking for mercy, and hopefully the human leadership gives me mercy as well. So Adonijah doesn't go to Solomon, he goes to the tabernacle, grabs a hold of uh, the altars, Please don't kill me, please don't kill me. Someone sends word, Hey, Solomon, you know where Adonijah's at right now? No. He's begging for mercy at the temple here. Tell him this. Solomon gives a very fair thing. Solomon said in verse number 52. And Solomon said, if he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not be a hair of him to fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, so <laughs> he shall die. This is pretty simple. Listen, as long as he does what's right, we'll have no problems. But if he wants to try to cause problems, try to take the kingdom again, we're going to have some problems. That's fair. Just shut up and color. Just do good. We should have no problems. This should be an easy thing to obey. So how do you think Adonijah is going to do? Do you think Adonijah is going to be able to stay in his lane? I mean, he almost was this close to being king. Do you think he could just satisfy and allow Solomon to be the king? Probably not. Notice with me in 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2. You see, you either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. Well, let's see if Adonijah lives by faith. Notice with me 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 13. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 13. And Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. Notice he didn't go to Solomon. He went to Bathsheba. Why? She's a manipulator. Hey, let's work out a deal. Let's work something. Now, remember what I said before? We'll get to there. And she said, Comest thou peaceable, peaceably? And he said, peaceably. <laughs> notice, wouldn't you like this? She is technically his stepmother. And when he comes in, she goes, Hey, are you coming to kill me? Nope, nope, nope. We're not going to have any problems. Can you imagine living in a house where you have to ask that? Are we going to get in a fight here? Are we going to have issues? Well, notice what he says. Verse 14. And he's. And he said, moreover, I have somewhat to say to thee. And she said, say on. So, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Go ahead. Verse 15. And he said, thou knowest the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel set their faces on me that I should reign. Howbeit the kingdom is turned about and has become my brothers, for it was his from the Lord. This is a big deal here. He said, I was this close to being the king. And you know it. You know I was that close. And you know, yeah, I know I was there. We had to manipulate David to kind of fix things. Yeah, you you almost won. And he kind of, oh, but we know that the Lord gave it to Solomon. He's not sincere about this. He still wants the throne. I was this close. You know I was this close. So how about this? Let's work out a deal. Let me get a compilation prize. Let me go ahead and get a prize for second place. And you'll like this, Bathsheba. Verse number 16. And now I ask one petition of thee, deny me not. And she said unto him, say on. And he said, speak, I pray thee unto Solomon the king, for he will not say thee nay. Notice that saying. Wow. He knows that she, he's a mama's boy. Go talk to Solomon and we know that Solomon will never say no to you. That whatever you tell him to do, he'll obey. You see, everybody knows that Solomon's a mama's boy. Everybody knows that Solomon is going to do whatever mama tells him to do. So, <coughs> say, speak, I pray thee, to Solomon the king. For he will not say thee nay, that he give me Abishag the Shudamite to wife. And Bathsheba said, well, I will speak to thee for the king. Now here's the deal. Bathsheba doesn't like Abishag. Abishag took her place. David doesn't want anything to do with Bathsheba. He set her aside. It's almost like there's a lesson about adultery in there. That if he will leave his wife for you, he will leave you for someone else. So she's left out in the cold. She's married, sure, but she doesn't get any of the benefits. She doesn't get fellowship. as she can spend with them. Abishag's there. This cute, beautiful thing in the way. So how about this? Let's work out a deal, Bathsheba. You like deals. You don't like Abishag. Let me get her out of your way. You go ahead and give her to me and let me marry her. That way you don't have to worry about her. She's no longer competition. She's out of the palace. I get a compilation prize. I get, you know, I get runner-up prize. She's out of your hair. It's a win-win situation. And Bathsheba doesn't see what's going on. She just sees, I hate Abishag, and let's get her out of the way. I can make this deal with you. Let's make this happen. Solomon, notice what she does. Verse 19, Bathsheba went therefore to the king to speak unto Adonijah. Notice this. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed himself unto her. So Bathsheba comes into the throne room. The king stands up. Thank you, mama. I'm so glad to see you. And he bows down and and honors Bathsheba. Now, where on the surface that looks good, oh, look, you should always honor your parents. He's the king, newly minted king. And now he's bowing down. Mama, whatever you tell me to do, you're my mama. <laughs> you're seeing a lot of mama's boy thing about Solomon in here, aren't we? So, he bows down to her, sits back on a throne, caused a seat for he set for the king's mother, and she sat on the right hand. She's in a position of power. So, hey, hey, get her a seat! Someone get her a seat. She sits right there at the right hand, Mama. I'm so glad to see you. Look at Mama. I'm a big boy now. I am a king. Look at this, Mom. What can I do for you? <clears throat> Verse 20, and she said, "I desire one small petition of thee." Notice she is a master manipulator. I just got a small request from you. Something some small. I, I, I mean, it's, just, it's so small I almost don't want to bring it up to you. But Solomon, can you, can you offer this one thing? Then she said, I desire one small petition of thee, I pray thee. And say me not nay. Notice this. <laughs> Solomon, you can't say no. I'm your mother. He's mama's boy. And she knows it too. And the king said her, Ask on my mother, for I will not say thee nay. Mom, whatever you ask, I'm not going to tell you no. Go ahead, mama. Whatever you want. One small petition, no big deal. Verse 21. And she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah thy brother, the wife. Now, watch Solomon's face change. What? Now, She thinks she's getting rid of a rival. She thinks she's getting rid of someone she hates. Just get him out. Just get him out. Solomon understands what's going on. What's going on? Verse 22. And King Solomon answered and said unto his mother, And why dost thou ask Abishag the Shudamite for Adonijah? Ask him for the kingdom also. For he is my elder brother and for him and for Abathar the priest and Joab the son of Zurah. Solomon said, listen mom, you don't realize what you're doing. You're giving the kingdom to Adonijah. You see, Abishag, even though she has technically not been in sexual relations with David, is considered David's newest wife. And so when the wife of the king marries the leading son of the king, The expectation is that that son is going to be the king. Especially with the military support of Joab and the religious support of of Abathar. And, And Solomon said, warning. What you're doing is you're handing him the kingdom. He just manipulated you, mama. And you're trying to give the kingdom away. And you don't even realize that you were made. You were manipulated. All just because Bathsheba had an issue with his chiclet. So verse 23. Then the king sware by the Lord saying God do so to me. And more so also if Adonijah had not spoken this word against his own life. He said hey listen. I told him as long as he does well. That he will... He's going to be all right. Nothing's going to harm him. But notice this. He tried to manipulate to take the kingdom again. Solomon says, i got to keep my word. I told him. So, come on. Verse 24. Thou therefore, as the Lord liveth, and established me, and sent me on the throne of David my father, who hath promised me a house as he had promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. And the king sent by the hand of Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him that he died. He had a choice. He could have just let things go. He could have trusted. But no, he had to do one more manipulation. And Adonijah was caught. And he suffered because of it. Now, there's nothing good in this whole story. Nothing. What we see is people, even the people who are attempting to do right, are trying to live their life by force. We are to live our life by force faith. What is faith? Faith is looking unto Jesus. It's defined in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, trusting God, taking him at his word, that when God says it, we can believe it. We can trust it. Let God do his work. May we say it a different way? It's learning to wait on God. God knows what He's doing. And He will bring it to pass when He is ready. We can trust Him. Now waiting on God doesn't mean we twiddle our thumbs and tap our foot. It means that we're obedient to what God's given us to do because we trust that God is going to do His part. You either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. Now, (laughs) that sounds good in practice. Practicality, we're so... In the habit of living our life by force. We can't help ourselves. So we got to talk to the boss. We plan our speech. We choose our words correctly. How do I talk about it? The idea of guile is a sin in the Bible. Part of the lying family. Guile is telling the truth. But in such a way that I look better. Or someone else looks worse. You leave out a detail. Or you exaggerate a detail. You point something out. That's the idea. That's commonplace. I'm going to get in trouble. What can I do to say to get myself out of trouble? We try to manipulate things all about. I met people do that with police officers. They try to get out of a ticket. On a little side note, officers don't want you to give you a ticket. People usually talk themselves into a ticket. Talk, talk, talk. All right, fine. You got yourself a ticket. Good job. But, you know, we try to talk our way out of it. We try to manipulate it. We try to uh, think about plans and schemes. And what can I do to get ahead? What can I do to get this? What can, when the faith life is a simple life. You know how much stress you cause on yourself. When you're staying up night scheming and planning and plotting. When you're thinking about what can I do to make this work. And how can I fix this? Oh, and the, most of the time there's things that are not even in our control. That we spend so much time trying to figure out how we're going to solve it. Can you trust God? What we see in 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2. Is people living normal lives. It is abnormal to live by faith. It is very normal to live by force. And if it is such a normal thing. It is normal for us to live by force. It is abnormal for us to live by faith. Can you trust? trust God. How do I know if I'm trusting God? Can you sing? Can you be thankful? Are you being obedient to the simple things God has given you to do? Or do you feel like you have to do something to manipulate, to work, to fight, to whatever else? That's our human nature. People even do that with salvation. They can't even allow God to take care of salvation for them. They've got to help him along. I've got to do this. And I've got to say this. And I've got to practice this. And I've got to whatever. We feel like we've got to do something. And that's our problem. We feel like we've got to do something. Can you trust God? And so we come to the question. How have you been living your life? Look back this last week. Do a quick recap in your mind. Has your week been one that you could say, I have lived my life by faith. I have trusted God and let God do His work. Or have you manipulated, schemed, connived, planned, manipulated, done everything you can to make something happen? You either live your life by force or you live your life by faith. Which one is the characteristic five three zero six three oh eight once again that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight if there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you please let us know we would love to make ourselves available thank you